A to Z Sports Big Orange Podcast. I am Charlie Burris, here as always with my co-host, A to Z Sports writer, Zach Reagan. Wherever you listen throughout the world, we thank you so much for listening to us. Zach and I talk everything balls every week here on the Big Orange Podcast. And if you want to listen every week, make sure you go over to the A to Z Sports Podcast Network feed on Apple, Spotify, and uh, subscribe there. If you subscribe, you won't miss an episode when we drop them on uh, Mondays. YouTube.com. Type in A to Z Sports on YouTube. Subscribe there. And you can see my beautiful face. This week, I was blessed with a fever blister that looks like I got punched in the lip. And you can see it on YouTube. There it is. Look at that. Oh, looks great. So happy about that. Anyway, A to Z Sports on YouTube. Subscribe there at Charlie underscore Burris at Zach TNT at A to Z Sports on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports Nashville and A to Z Sports.com for all the stuff that Zach and I write on the internets. It's a new week, Zach. After the disappointment of the loss in the College World Series and the immense sadness that came with that, I think I have recovered. Uh, I've I had a couple of meetings with um, some bottles of bourbon, as I like to do, um, and we've gotten over. It. You know, we're we're uh, we're we're back on track. College football season right around the corner. It is already naughty, is it? Would you consider this the middle of June? Kind of the latter half of June, June 20th, Monday, and uh, and we're doing it, doing it big. So, Zach, what's up, man? Are you, it, is anything going on? This it feels like such a dead period, not just in sports, but sort of like for everything. Yeah, it's like the most dead period of the year every year. Not a lot going on at all right now, especially, well, the College World Series, but of course we have uh, zero interest in that. I have no intentions of really watching any of it. I might, if it gets down to the end, maybe I'll watch if, if it's Texas and, and somebody else, maybe. I, I really have no interest in watching Arkansas or uh, Ole Miss. I'm not even sure. they Have they been eliminated, any of those teams? I haven't really. Texas got bounced by Texas A&M. Did they? They're, okay. They're done. Texas A&M still in it. Arkansas still in it. Um, sadly, disgustingly makes me want to die. The team that, uh, that's really looking hot right now, thankfully, at least the, the most scorching team at the moment seems to be Oklahoma, but I, like you, um, I haven't watched a second of it. I basically I did shut see, down. I did see, I think Kyler Murray was at the, he was at one of the games, right? I believe I saw, and Maybe. he played it. Oklahoma and Texas A&M. I think I saw that maybe he was at the Texas Texas A&M game, maybe, and was like cheering against Texas A&M or, or, or something. I, or I'm not sure. There was <laughs> that's about all I've seen on social media. It's uh, I've been trying to avoid it because it's it's still a little painful. Just it's thinking uh, about the incredible year Tennessee had, hearing some of the players say goodbye. Some of these players you're not going to see in a Tennessee uniform again. A lot. I mean, some of the best players to ever baseball to see. It's going to be keeping up with them and Melby, but it, it, it's always going to be like, you know, they, they let it get away. They kind of let it slip away. It was just a bad weekend. Uh, but it, yeah, it, it's still a little tough and it's still a little, little fresh. Yeah. I, I just, I haven't watched the second of it. I can't, I've barely even I, been able to watch just baseball in a general sense. I just am kind of ill about the whole thing. Just don't, don't bring it up. Don't, I don't want to see that. I don't, don't even, as much as I love the guy, uh, I don't like, I don't want to see Tony Vitello. I don't, 
just uh, give me a couple of months or yeah. no, you, we, it's, years. it's gotta, it's, it's, uh, it'll probably be, you know, next February when it, when it kicks back up, uh, hopefully basketball will be doing well at the same time. And we'll be able to tune in to, to baseball and get excited about that. But as soon as Tennessee was bounced, it was a day or two of trying to process it and then transition right to football mode. And I was hoping not to do that until later this month, but that's it's typically what happens around July. You start seeing the preview magazines. When I was a kid, that was always one of my favorite things with like Athlon Sports and those various college football preview magazines would, would come out. They're kind of obsolete now because it's not really needed. All that information's out there on the internet. I mean, we start previewing the upcoming season in March pretty much when, when spring practices start, but Usually late summer, SEC media days coming up. That's when you really start getting excited about Tennessee football. And after this past season, going seven and six, uh, some really close games, really competitive, fun game with Ole Miss that didn't go Tennessee's way. And then you, you hung with Alabama into the fourth quarter. There's plenty of reason for optimism. And certainly with the recruiting class that Josh Heupel is putting together for 2023, really just takes that optimism up a notch. And I, I think this will probably be the most excited fans have been going into a season uh, since probably the way they were going to feel going into 2020 before COVID hit, coming off that eight and five year where we thought Jeremy Pruitt was kind of turning it around and went through a rough patch to start the year. But, you know, you come back, you beat Indiana in that bowl game. Like, all right, maybe Pruitt's figured it out, went through some growing pains, and then that kind of crashed and burned, and we had to start all over again. I, I would be interested because this that was when we first did this podcast. That was the first full football season that we mm. did this podcast together. I would be interested to see how optimistic I was because Garantano was still going to be the quarterback. Yeah. And I know that we were kind of like, the pieces in a general sense are there, but when the guy under center sucks as bad as Garantano does, how great are your prospects? You know, I, I feel I think, like that was sort of my general feeling. I'm, I'm, I know I'm more optimistic right now than I was then. Yeah. I can say that without a doubt. I think the hope back then, uh, I remember writing about this some is that, hey, Garantano's finally going to be in the same offense for the second straight year with the same offensive coordinator. I don't think any of us were fans of the quarterbacks coach, Chris Winkie, at, at any point during his tenure at Tennessee, even when he was the running backs coach. I never really thought he was a good fit. He had a uh -huh. bad reputation from his time in the NFL, got fired from the Rams, and Jared Goff's career kind of took off a little bit after Chris Winkie left Los Angeles. I think that was kind of the one concern that we had. It was it was that X factor. Is Garantano going to finally turn the corner or is he not? And turned out he didn't and i think a lot of that did have to do with jeremy pruitt he was he was a terrible coach and he was we found out he was meddling in the offense we heard stories from people that were close to the program about him changing some of jim cheney's play play calls and that's never a recipe for success so now i mean tennessee football could not be further from that era where you've got your head coach, your offensive coordinator, and your quarterbacks coach, they're all on the same page. They've all been together. They've all worked with Hypo for a while. They all understand the system. I think Alex Golish, the offensive coordinator, could probably run the offense for an entire game, and we probably wouldn't have a huge drop-off as far as play calls and situational stuff. Uh, we wouldn't have a big drop-off without Hypo there, and, and that's no slight against Hypo. I, I think he's done a tremendous job, but that's just – 
shows the continuity that this staff has, which is incredibly important, especially when you're trying to rebuild a program. If you're Alabama and you're Nick Saban, who loses assistants every year, he's got his system in place. He's got his process in place. And, and guys come in there, they step in, they know exactly what they're what's going to be expected of them. It, it's kind of hard. Jeremy Pruitt, when he was losing so many assistants, you couldn't couldn't do that same thing, which is what he wanted to do because it's what he saw at Alabama. Uh, but you got to have an established culture to do that. Pruitt did, and Hypo quickly has done that because of the continuity he's been able to, to have. Yeah, I mean, even even for Hypo, when he has lost guys, you lose Cody Burns uh, after that last season. You replace him with Kelsey Pope at wide receivers coach for. Anyone who doesn't know, um, and and you just pull up a guy who was already there, a guy that that uh, the team popular popular knows. too. Yeah, I it's that like video it a when they choice. yeah that video when they announced him. I mean, the team seemed like they couldn't have been happier. About yeah, the team was hyped. So I'm, I think you're exactly right. I I'm as optimistic. I would say I'm as optimistic as I've been since probably before that 2016 season. Like, really, just because Pruitt, it was so clear in that Pruitt, after the 8-4 and four season, it was so clear that he just kind of stumbled into those eight wins. Like, the giant oh, yeah. comeback against Indiana. Just some of the, the fluky win at, well, not even the fluky win at Auburn was even during his first year. Mm-hmm. That wasn't even his second Mississippi year. State. So, they beat Mississippi State in 2019, and that was the game where I don't even think they let yeah. Garantano passed the ball more than five times in the second half. I mean, that no. was that was a red flag, but I think as so many Tennessee fans do and as we've done so many times over the years, you don't – you're two years into a head coach and you see something that's kind of skeptical. We, we saw it with Butch Jones plenty. I mean, we've relived that a lot, and, and certainly it was there with Derek Dooley as well. But you kind of want to gloss over those things. Like, okay, he did what they had to do to win the game. But – Looking back, we know that the way they beat Mississippi State was not sustainable at all. And it was also a, a program that would end up firing their head coach and, and you know going through a lot of transition. So it's it was a win over an SEC West program, which is something Tennessee hasn't done a lot in the last 10 years. But it was there were still some red flags that, that came with it. I was at that game, at the Mississippi State game. If I'm remembering correctly... It was it a big I'm trying to think of the running back that 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 scored like the game ceiling score, but I just remember like that game felt really dicey and then there was a a score on the ground, like you mm-hmm. said. I, I can't I can't think of who it was. Anyway, I was there. It feel, I mean, that was what, 2019, and it feels like it might as between COVID and the Pruitt stuff that's happened and the investigation, it feels like it might as well have been 10 years ago. Yeah, it, it feels just the the entire vibe, if that, as the kids say, <laughs> just the vibe. It's totally different now. Just completely shifted. I I would I would put it this way: after the eight and four season with Pruitt, I thought maybe Tennessee could do this despite the coach, mm. because they had decent talent at different positions. And now I think that they could do it because of the coach, because Heupel has this super high octane offense. Hopefully the defense gets better. Hopefully the team is more settled in, more comfortable with what he's doing, more mature. You know, all all of these things that you hope you get out of a, an additional year with a coach, 
Um, I, I think your winning will be because of him uh, and not despite him. That That is a change in itself. And I even, a... even before that 2016 season with Butch, you went, this team is going to be really good. You should have won the SEC East the year before. You blew it at Florida. You, you had to win over Alabama and you blew it. You know, there was some... Some things like that where you're like, there's a lot of hope here. But Butch, like you, you really felt like you you screwed the pooch the year before because of Butch. It's sort of that similar feeling. You know, the with a less lame defense, you make that stop at Florida and you win that game in the swamp. And you you know, there were just turning points like that where you went, I don't know if Butch is this dude who's gonna take the team there. Turns out he was not. And even even now, I I just feel so much more encouraged. With with Hypel at the helm, I mean, we we have talked his his coaching style is something that will bring you wins and will bring you losses because it is so. What's the word? Risk risky. I mean, it it just really is edge of your seat. It can be all or nothing. Pedal to the know, floor. These drives, you're three yeah. out or you're an eighty yard touchdown. Exactly. So and we saw that early in the year with uh, Joe Milton last year against Pittsburgh and and Bowling Green where he missed some of those. Uh, long passes that would have been touchdowns that were beautiful, beautiful play calls. The scheme worked. Everything worked exactly like it was supposed to, but Joe Milton threw the ball, you know, 120 yards instead of 30 yards, and it, it slightly went over the receiver's head. And that yeah. you got to have a quarterback that can be somewhat pretty, pretty accurate. I mean, you're not asking him to throw into tight windows over the middle of the field in this offense, but they still got to hit guys in stride that, turn those plays in the scores because if if you don't I mean that's you're not you he's not picking up these chunk yardage plays he's not you know methodically going down the field if they don't hit one of those it's you know you're punting the ball back to the other team and your defense is right back on the field well speaking of quarterbacks and wide receivers let's talk recruiting with Tennessee that's going to be the main uh main topic of today's show oh and I was going to say just going back real Real quick, the only thing that will get me to tune back into Tennessee baseball, just because it is so painful right now, the the transfer portal. I think we could pick up some really big guys in the transfer portal. Just thinking about recruiting, you, Tommy White is out there uh, and would be Tommy Tanks, if you will, from NC State. If you can get him, I mean, Tennessee is going to be preseason number one next year. and It's not even going to be close, frankly. Mm -hmm. So I, they may be that way even without him. I don't know. Um but that's I will real, be watching real quick that before real quick before we hit the recruiting stuff. I, uh, Tim Jordan was the running back you were referencing. Tim Jordan, that's a blast from the past, and <laughs> Garantano was six of seven in that game, and Brian Maurer oh, was four four of seven. So they threw the ball fourteen times. Josh Heupel does that in the first five minutes of a game. What a performance! Hey, six of seven, uh, baby. That's that's nice. Do you okay? <laughs> That was, you know, a Tennessee win. They won 20 to 10, but it was probably one of the most boring Tennessee oh. wins we've ever seen. I mean, that game was just like, glad they won, but man, that was, you had to like labor through that game. Were you, was that game more exciting because they won, or do you think the Ole Miss game, despite the loss, was a more exciting game? It's tough because the Ole Miss game with the fake injuries was a hard watch. It lasted so It was so long. intense. It was a very... Oh, yeah, that game was well after midnight, I think, when it finally yeah. ended. Yeah. I mean, it was edge edge of your seat. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was sitting there just watching, like, so stressed out because you just... You wanted that win so, so, so badly. 
the thing I loved about that game is that it was the and it was a lot a lot of it was because of the, the debris that was thrown on the field. I know that was a huge story out of the game, but even without that, that game was a really uh, it, was, it was talked about a lot nationally just because of the Lane Kiffin versus Tennessee and he's back yeah. in Knoxville, which he had returned to Knoxville before that, but I think it was his first time as a head coach back in Knoxville. It was back and forth. It was it was pretty exciting. I mean, it came down to the last play and it was it had Tennessee being talked about nationally because of football. And that was I mean, that's what you want to see. Yeah, I, I think I I would go I I like that weirdly to to say this. I like that loss to Ole Miss more because it really showed like we can hang with these dudes. Yeah, it was can, if Joe Milton makes that pass at the end or if Hendon Hooker's not hurt, I mean Tennessee you win. wins that game, yeah. Yeah, you win. Ole Miss's season is different. I believe that would have taken them out of the Sugar Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, by season's end, they would have only won nine, yeah. nine regular season yeah. games. And so, I, yeah, there, there's so much there where you go like, we're right there with mm -hmm. a team that won 10 games last year. You're right there. And, and so just take it that next step. Obviously, in the coming weeks, we're going to discuss exactly where Tennessee is and really get into the roster and all of that stuff but we gotta we gotta save that sweet sweet content for <laughs> for the next few weeks we guess the, gotta have something to talk about you know the depths um, of summer <laughs> yeah uh but recruiting has been what is on everyone's mind and it's it's also why we decided to do this show at actual lunchtime today uh the recruiting commitment is supposedly happening literally at this very second uh for wide receiver Arnell Tate. He's a five-star wide receiver. Now, all the predictions coming in, unfortunately, turned to Ohio State. We had the discussion last week about Tate and whether he would actually come to Tennessee. We we both felt like uh, Tennessee would be his landing spot. That just felt like he was leaning that way. Turns out that didn't, unless, unless there is a, a true turn of events here with his uh, commitment, um, it's going to be Ohio State for him. Um, but there was, uh, we'll we'll get to that in just one second in terms of who he chose. But there was actually a recruiting commit before uh, any of this with Tate. Uh, Tennessee had uh, a running back that uh, that committed. Well, it was uh, Stallings. I, it was, I'm, uh, I'm, or was it Saturday? No, it was yesterday, right? Sunday. Yes, I, I believe it was yesterday. Will Stallings. I was blanking on his first name. Will mm. Stallings. I've been looking at so much recruiting stuff leading up to this show. Will Stallings, three-star running back from Bishop Gorman. And I, I liked seeing Bishop Gorman uh, because that is the high school that Cedric Tillman went to. But uh, I, I I liked a lot this uh, this the look of this kid because he's actually going to be a size back rather than the, the speed back like Tennessee has kind of been working with uh, some of these smaller dudes that Tennessee has at the running back position. He's kind of the opposite of that 6'1", 222 pounds. Um, and, and an interesting pickup that was sort of out of nowhere. Um, but in interviews after the fact, this kid had been like chomping at the bit to get in with Tennessee. And he seems like he is all about it, super hyped up about it. What uh, what did you think about uh, about the pickup of Stallings? Well, 
the Carnell Tate announcements in. Do you want to get to that first and then jump okay. back to Stalin's? We, we could circle back around. Yeah, what okay. happened? It just popped up and it is a two minute long video on Instagram. And luckily, it was not a live video. So I was able to skip oh, through goodness. all the youth highlights and Stalin of Chicago that was very prominent <laughs> in it. And it is, uh, it's Ohio State. So I don't know if you can yeah, well. see this, but lots of Ohio State stuff there. Ah, uh, yes. So, yeah, it's um, him in Ohio State, Jagger, which we kind of figured. So that is, that's that. Well, so it, it, it was what I suspected. Uh, the prediction came in from, I don't know if it was Wilt Fong at 247, somebody on three or something. On like Thursday, Wednesday of last week, they predicted Ohio State. And I was like, okay, this kid already has his commitment video made. And mm-hmm. a recruiting analyst thinks he's going to Ohio State. And of course, you know, you kind of connect the dots there and you go, this guy heard about who the kid chose in his commitment video. The commitment video is made. His mind is made up. He has, somebody knows, the person that made the video knows who he chose. Well, the, uh, and, Hayes Fawcett of On3 Sports was kind of helping Carnell Tate hype this up. So clearly they knew. Yeah. Obviously. And you're right. Anytime those late predictions come in, like two or three days before a commitment is about to be announced, it's it's over. Like rarely are you going to see those predictions be wrong. It's what happened with Nico. Right before his commitment, you started seeing – Kind of out of nowhere is like he's going to Tennessee. the The chances on on three on three does the percent chance that this kid will go to X school thing, and like the the chances for Nico to go to Tennessee like shot up overnight. The prediction started coming in. Lo and behold, he he chooses Tennessee, uh, and so this was a similar situation. He made the video. Clearly, it leaked to somebody. Oh, he chose Ohio State. That's what's in the video, and all these dudes started putting in predictions what i like about those predictions that i think is funny is that they always go uh the one that i saw i think it was on three they said it was with a 50 percent confidence 50 percent confidence okay this you know it comes from this news comes from the video that the kid made for his commitment 50 percent confidence come on you're, yeah. you're saying this just to leave a little suspense in there, you know? Because you never know with recruits. They can change you their mind not overnight. Yeah. He could he could have made two videos. And then, like, that. that's really the only way to foolproof that process, I think, uh, is to make two videos announcing both schools, and then you choose one at the end, I guess, is really the only way around that if you're that mm-hmm. kid. But, um, yeah, lo and behold, that that is what it is. And let's – we'll circle back around to that in a second, because the, the conversation that we wanted to have about that, we were presuming that he would choose Ohio State. And we were going to kind of talk like, is that a bad sign for Josh Heupel? But let's let's come back and talk about Will Stallings first before we get to this Tate news. Um, Stallings commits three-star running back. He's he's a size back rather than a speed back. Um, 6'1", 222 pounds, an interesting pickup, particularly interesting because Stallings is actually a linebacker. He was listed. I was looking at his, his and it said running back in the class of 2023 commits to Tennessee. I click on it, and then it says he's the number 91 linebacker in the class of 2023, and I was like, hmm, that's interesting. 
So it seems like it's it's potentially a Jeremy Banks situation where you get a kid that's just built. He's just a built athlete, plays on both sides of the ball in high school or something like that. And Josh Heupel sees him and goes, hey, that's a kid that we could use a running back, all-purpose back kind of style, I would assume. Um, and and that's that's interesting. But did you did you have any thoughts on on Stallings and kind of the what I would say was kind of interesting to me is the strategy here to take a kid who's also a linebacker, take him as a running back. You know, uh, what what were your thoughts seeing that? Well, I, I initially saw a few eye rolls from uh, what we call the Nedjovals on on social media, where they're like, "Oh, it's it's just a three star running back, and, and it's not a big deal." But you know, you, you can only put yeah, recruiting rankings are important, and and typically the the teams landing top ten classes are going to be the ones that that dominate college football, of course. But there's always outliers, and Alabama, uh, Georgia, they take some guys that aren't necessarily five-star guys that maybe you don't uh well here's what really happens a lot of times alabama will take a guy that might be a high three-star or low four-star and suddenly they get bumped up because they committed to alabama and georgia because recruiting services recognize and whether they admit it or not they recognize that alabama georgia ohio state these programs they, they evaluate talent well obviously they're they're the best teams in the country for a reason so if they're Picking a guy, picking it up, taking a commitment from a guy that's not highly rated, they probably figure, hey, we we haven't really evaluated this guy the correct way, so they end up getting a ratings bump. We also see the opposite happen to Tennessee players from time to time where they get dropped down a bit. But as far as Stallings, I mean, like you said, he's a built guy. I mean, he's prototypical running back size, six foot, you know, 220-some pounds. That is NFL running back size. That's what you want. Uh, obviously, he's a physical guy if he's playing linebacker in high school and could, you know, project to play there at the next level. So you're getting a running back that's got the physicality. Like you said, he's an all-purpose back. He said he feels like he can do everything. He can run outside the tackles, run inside the tackles. Tennessee really missed that running between the tackles type running back last year. That was like the real Achilles heel of Josh Heupel's offense was third and two, third and three trying to pick up those short yardage situations and they just get stopped at the line of scrimmage. I mean, that's, that's tough to pick up those three yards in the sec. You've got to have a guy that can run between the tackles and absorb some contact and fall forward for that extra two or three yards. And I think Josh Hypo recognizes that Stallings, a linebacker who, who also plays running back can be that in his offense. And then you've got the fallback option of if he doesn't work out at running back, like you said with Jeremy Banks, maybe you flip him to the defensive side of the ball. Maybe he's like Banks and he can't hold on to the ball. I mean, that was kind of the reason Banks kind of got shifted to the defensive side of the ball as he played with a lot of violence. He was a very violent runner, but he fumbled too much. Uh, you've always got that possibility too. So you're taking a guy that's a three-star, but he could potentially fill two different roles. It, it gives you a lot of versatility there. I think it's a really smart pickup. Uh, it's another kid from out West too. It just shows how – their Tennessee's kind of scouring the whole country to, to add players that fit the program. I uh, agree C completely. I, it's It was a glaring problem last season in short yardage where you just didn't have the dude to punch the ball forward. And you need it. I, you, it is it is integral. Even if you run Josh Heupel's crazy offense, you got to have somebody like that. And, and ideally, you could have this kid also be an every down back. It's really, with a three-star, it's always a total crapshoot. It's a total crapshoot with any player, but with a three-star in particular, 
it can kind of take one or two routes where it just the kid almost never even sees the field and he's a perpetual backup, which happens decently often, or he becomes the guy. I mean, Jabari Small, I believe he was just a three star, mm-hmm. and he's it's essentially your your starting running back now, and and a really dynamic player that I'm excited to see how he advances forward. But uh, yeah, you, you just look at that running back room size wise. Let's see, I had the roster open. Where you at? Running back. Run, RB. RB. Where you awesome. yeah, here it is. Jalen Wright's a little on the, the smaller side. I, I'm yep. Not so sure you, you had Jabari Small, 5'11, 213. Jalen Wright, 5'11, 200. Justin Williams Thomas. Uh, we've added a Thomas onto his name, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. Justin Williams Thomas, six foot two ten. And uh, the the only back that is comparable to the six one two twenty two is Lynette Whitehead, who is six two two twenty. But Lynette Whitehead was used sparingly. He last does not season. have the the speed, I don't think. Yeah. To really. And and he and and Whitehead was a similar situation as Stallings, where you know, Whitehead signed under Jeremy Pruitt. One of the reasons he signed with Tennessee is because Tennessee wanted to use him at running back instead of linebacker. I've argued that maybe Tennessee should try him at linebacker, but I just don't think the speed is there apparently for him to really make much of an impact in the SEC. Unfortunately, yeah, it's uh, it's it is literally what I was just talking about. I mean, it's a kid that you picked up, and he just is kind of perpetually not going to see the field. Uh, it just it happens, um, and and hopefully he can find a spot, but it just doesn't seem like maybe in Josh Heupel's offense it's really going to be it but maybe maybe hypel's cooking something up that we don't know about I mean, but, he, uh, he has to believe in the kid because you don't take a three-star i mean he's rated 24 uh, 7 sports rates him as the 1188th best player in the nation in the 2023 class there's there's a lot of running backs ahead of him in those rankings obviously he's not even I wouldn't even know where he's ranked as a running back because they don't even view him as a running back <laughs> yeah he's ranked as a linebacker <laughs> yeah but hypel and his staff clearly see something in him for them to take a commitment from him in June when, you know, they've got quite a few spots left. I think he's the 10th commit to this class, but for them to take this commitment from a running back in June, way maybe some other running backs that you were targeting, uh, cause they're, you know, you, if you've already got a guy, you're, you're going to usually take more than one running back, of course. But again, that might put, maybe they want to go to South Carolina instead of Tennessee because South Carolina doesn't have a running back committed or whatever the case Whatever Tennessee sees in Stallings, they obviously like. They obviously think more highly of him than twenty four seven Sports and some of the other recruiting services. So you gotta you gotta trust hype on his evaluations. I mean, yeah. he's he's been able to take a lot of players that weren't highly rated on this roster, a roster that was not in good shape after Pruitt left, where a lot of the best players ended up transferring out and turned them into a seven win team when Pruitt won three games out of out of ten with them the previous year you got to have some faith and, and until he gives me a reason to not believe his evaluations in players, I, I'm going to tend the side with like, okay, this is a good pickup. Yeah. I, I, I like it. It fills, fills a need um, on, on the roster and that we can just kind of leave it there. Cause really it's, well, just it's, a, it's encouraging that Hypo recognizes that that's a need too, because that yeah. would be very oh, yeah. frustrating if you go into, okay, you had that problem in 2021 with the short yardage situations, but if it's, still a major issue in 2022 then you start saying okay why 
you know, this is giving me shades of Butch Jones and Jeremy Pruitt where we're seeing the same issues over and over and it's not getting better. So that's yeah. encouraging too, that he kind of sees that that's, that's a need. Absolutely. Any, anything to help address these, the small amount of problems that we saw, uh, with Heupel, um, which I, th- we've kind of said they were all with his coaching style, uh, and, and things like that. And to, to see that he's kind of going, all right, we actually do need a short yardage guy, a more power guy. I like it. I, I think it's good, but you just, you never know what the three-star guys kid could never see the field kid could be your starting running back in two years. We'll just have to see. It's um, crazy. I mean, the, the NFL is littered with three-star former three-star players. There's probably more three-star players in the NFL than any other position. Now, part of that's because the quantity, there's way more three-star players coming out of high school than four stars and five stars. But a lot of those guys turn into NFL players. A lot of them are former running backs. So, man, we'll see. Maybe they found a little hidden gem here. Hopefully. You know, it's, like you said, his fellow uh, Bishop Gorman uh, alum, Cedric Tillman, is a, uh, as of last week, a preseason All-American, according to Phil, Phil Steele. So maybe they, they can find another Las Vegas-based diamond in the rough there. We'll, we'll see. Um, now let's get to, to Tate. Hmm. So Cardinal Tate chooses Ohio state at this point. It's not a surprise. The predictions have been coming in for a few days. It was disappointing initially because as we already said last week, both of us kind of thought he was leaning Tennessee, but you never know what these kids and whatever he saw in Ohio state. He just liked it more. Um, the, the question that you ask at this point, point because I think a lot of Tennessee fans were hanging their hat on getting this kid in the fold. Is this a bad sign? Should we be concerned? Cause I really had when I, all I tweeted when the prediction started coming in for Carnell Tate to Ohio state, I just said, Hey, at least Tennessee tried on to the next guy onward and upward. You just, that's, that has to be the mentality. I think if you're Josh Heupel, you just go, you know, damn, wish we could have got him, but this is what it is, and you move forward. Um, and there were a lot of Tennessee fans that were like, that responded to that, and they were like, well, is this, this is, uh, you know, I, I really thought that we had the NIL deals and we had the money, and like, what happened here? When you see that, Zach, what happened here? Is Is this a bad thing? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I'm not concerned about it for a couple of reasons. One is that you're going to lose. It's it's five star recruit. There's only well thirty some of them in each class. There's not that many. Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, USC. They're all LSU. They're all battling for these guys. LSU wanted Carnell Tate. Notre Dame wanted Carnell Tate. He's from Chicago. Notre Dame would kind of be his hometown school. You know, they missed out on him. Uh, so did LSU. There's You're going to lose these battles. Uh, Alabama, they lose battles for five stars. Georgia loses battles. You cannot win every one of these battles. And from, you know, what we understand, what we've been told is that that Tennessee made it tough on Carnell Tate. He, he really wanted to go to Ohio State. Like, that was always kind of where he was – being led to but Tennessee made it really tough on him to the point where they were they were very much in it I mean this was pretty much an Ohio State versus Tennessee battle for the for the commitment I mean LSU and Notre Dame were just kind of there on the fringe and they the fact that they were even in it says a lot about Josh Heupel and I know that comes off as well 
you know, participation trophy. I've seen some of those comments or, you know, oh, at least we were in it. And, and I get that. It's frustrating. You, you don't celebrate that you came in second because you didn't get him. I mean, second's as good as coming in 10th in a recruiting uh, battle like this. But at the same time, it, it does show progress. It shows that Tennessee's getting in these battles that they would not have got in uh, this time a year ago. I mean, Tennessee wouldn't have even been in the conversation for Carnell Tate a year ago. And thanks to what Josh Heupel has done at Tennessee with the wide receivers, with Bayless Jones getting drafted in the third round, I mean, nobody would have saw that coming before 2021. He wasn't even on the draft radar before Josh Heupel arrived. So I think players believe in what Josh Heupel's doing. You've got the NIL factor, which I'm sure there will be plenty of Ohio State fans that suggest that's the only reason Tennessee was even in this battle. And that's obviously important. It's a factor. But if you think Ohio State's not, dabbling in nil money for carnell tate you're you're a fool i mean everybody is living in the world and nil stuff is kind of just leveled the playing field where okay ohio state's paying this money tennessee's they're being watched carefully by the ncaa we can't really get into that world well now because nil is legal you you can get into that world a little bit and it levels the playing field and it just comes down to where the player wants to go and if if he's from the midwest Maybe he grew up an Ohio State fan. I don't know. Um, maybe he has family. that I, I don't know the exact situation, but it's hard to compete against that stuff when everything else is equal. And if you're Tennessee, there's nothing. You cannot change where the kid's from. You can't change where he grew up wanting to attend school. Those are certain variables that are just out of your control. And I don't, you know, I don't think that there's anything bad you can say about Tennessee or anything different that they really could have done to win this battle. You can only make this excuse for so long if you are Josh Heupel, but I think in this particular case, it pertains this in this case and in, in some in the past to recruiting is a long game. I mean, these kids get recruited when, when that talent shows up at whatever age. And sometimes it's like eighth grade that talent shows up even before that. Sometimes <laughs> they got recruiters on them even back then. Freshman year of high school, you know, they're, they're 15, 15 years old and they're going to have recruiters on them. And Josh Heupel has only been at Tennessee for a year. And there's only so much work that you can do. That's essentially catch up work. And, and I think Heupel has gotten some guys where a kid was leaning to a school that had been recruiting him for a really long time. And Heupel can, has swooped in and gotten that kid and, and gotten him to, commit to Tennessee when it was uh, when another school had been working really hard for a long time on the kid. You win some of those sometimes. In this case, I think Tennessee was the late comer here, made an excellent case to Tate through his visits and through, it, it, uh, you would say, allegedly NIL deals. Whether he was approached with any or not, we do not know. Uh, but they made their case and they made it really strongly and and I am totally with you. Yeah, this is not a win. You didn't get the kid. You, you came in second, and you might as well be in 10th at that point. But for the position that Tennessee is in with a coach that is just starting his second year, you are encouraged somewhat where you go, okay, if you got in this good with this kid that ended up taking Ohio State, you know, like a perennial powerhouse in Ohio State. Like, that's... Even that portion of it is understandable. Like Ohio State wins 11 games a year. Always. They blow it and never win national championships. But if that's the way, if that's where you want to play, good for you. 
if you want to win 11 games but not win any national championships, I'm happy for you. And uh, and so, like, I, I get that all the way around. They've recruited him longer. Ryan Day has been there longer to set that foundation with Tate. He's from that region. He's from, you, you said, sh- Chicago-ish. You know, like, he's he's from that area of the country more than he's from the South. To me, it makes a pretty decent amount of sense why he's going with Ohio And Ohio State, State has one of the most well-known, well-regarded wide receivers coach in the business yep. right now in Brian Hartline, who is a monster on the recruiting trail yep. and is a great teacher, great, great wide receiver developer and teacher. I mean, that's that's a big factor too, obviously. I mean, you, you really, you, you lost out to one of the only schools outside of the SEC that I think can really compete with the SEC mm-hmm. in terms of recruiting, NIL stuff. Um, it, it's not like you lost this recruiting battle to Northwestern, you know, it's this isn't something, or even like Arkansas like, or Mississippi State or another yeah. South Carolina. Those would be worse. This mm-hmm. is a powerhouse yes. program with tons of resources that are comparable, if not better, than Tennessee's. There are very few programs that have better resources than Tennessee does, and Ohio State might be one of them. Their fan base is just as massive as Tennessee's. They're just as crazy. And, and so I, I look at this and I go, you were right there next time. Let's win this one next time. When you have more time with the kid to lay that foundation, that that time that Heupel missed out on with Tate, let's win it that time. And, and that's, you, you kind of go from there. It's sort mm-hmm. of a, a, a feeling that reminds me of like the uh, 2013 Georgia game mm-hmm. where Tennessee lost in overtime uh, to Aaron Murray and Georgia and and you went that is really painful and it sucks and we lost but we shouldn't even been in that game and that's kind of nice to see because next year we'll get them and it turned out a couple of years later Tennessee did get them and so that's that's kind of how you have to take it does it suck yeah you you want this kid on the team he's a five-star talent and and that's how you win national championships is that you get five-star talent on your roster um but next time let's get him uh, when, when another situation like this uh, comes up. And and this is one thing that is also a factor that makes me not too discouraged over this. Some of the other options that Tennessee has uh, are only one of these is wide receiver, but anybody that's going like, well, there's our chance at a five-star. No, that's not the case. Tennessee is still in good, specifically uh, with Shandavian Bradley, linebacker, edge rusher, Shandavian Bradley, uh, five-star. Francis Marjo, five-star offensive lineman, Hunter Osborne, uh, four, four-star uh, defensive lineman, I believe. Um, some of these guys who visited this weekend, I watched a couple of uh, interviews with uh, Cam Selden, who is a four-star athlete recruited by Tennessee as a wide receiver, it looks like. He had uh, good things to say about Tennessee. Stanton Rammel, offensive lineman, four-star he, he said, the quote that I saw is that he said, Tennessee is, quote, really high up for me. Um, that's a really good sign. So five stars still on the line. Four stars still on the line. You can still get a really nice class out of this, even though you missed out on a kid who would have really been a gym uh, in the class. Hey, onward and upward. It's it's what I said in, in that in that tweet. Sucks. Onward and upward. Let's let's go on to the next kid and, and see where what we can get. Yeah, there, there's two things I think fans should remember here is one yes Tennessee has to start winning more of these battles but it's baby steps right I mean you have to you got Nico 
nobody would have thought that you're going to land a top five recruit when Jeremy Pruitt got fired and when they hired Josh Heupel and everybody was questioning whether or not Heupel could could win these battles in the SEC. You go out and you get one of the maybe the best quarterback in the in the 2023 class. So you you're you've won that battle and that's still a huge victory and it shouldn't be forgotten just because it happened three months ago. So you're starting to get in these battles and you got to build up to it. You're not you're not it, the only way to kind of fast forward or to, to skip the hard work is to is to deceive kids and make promises that you can't keep and that's not sustainable either. We saw it happen Butch with Jones. Butch Jones. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you don't want to do that. So I think Heupel's doing it the right way. It might not be happening as fast as, as some people want it to, but it, it's still moving in the right direction. The other thing is the fact that if Tennessee had to lose a battle for a five-star guy of, of the players that you just mentioned, I would choose Tate to be the one that you lost. Not that I think he's overrated, because I don't at all. I mean, he might be the best wide receiver in, in the 2023 class. I think he could have a great career at Tennessee. I think he'll have a great career at Ohio State. I mean, the most wide receivers that go to Ohio State end up being drafted in the first round. I mean, I I think he probably made a pretty good choice for his personal decision. Josh Heupel doesn't necessarily need five-star wide receivers in this offense to itself. Your three leading wide receivers from last season, Cedric Tillman, Valus Jones, Javante Payton, they're all three-star guys. None of those guys were household names before 2021. Tillman had, what, eight, seven, eight catches in his three seasons before Heupel arrived. Valus never went over a couple hundred receiving yards. Javante Payton was uh, somebody that nobody outside of Mississippi State or the Nashville area where he's from had really heard of. And they come in and they're your three best wide receivers in the number seven offense in the nation. They put up numbers. Tillman is the SEC's leading returning wide receiver. He finished number five in receiving yards last year in the conference, and the four players above him are in the NFL now. I mean, Hypel can work with three and four star guys. I mean, he doesn't have to have a player like Carnell Tate to make this offense work. So, yeah, I'd rather have the edge rusher. I'd rather have the five-star offensive tackle committing to Tennessee. Those are the guys that that Heupel really needs to land for Tennessee to take the next step in the next couple of years. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more on, on all those points. I, one of the main reasons I thought the Heupel hire could be good back then when we were, you know, before he had ever coached a game and we were sort of weighing the pros and cons, one of the reasons I thought he could be good is because his offense tailors toward less talent. It, it, you know, it can be really great when you plug in five-star players, but that's true of any offense. Yeah. <laughs> any offense can be great with five-star players. Look at Georgia, the Georgia Bulldogs. Their offense is, you know, with with half with half the talent that they have, that offense is terrible. But they have the crazy talent that they do have, and so the offense works. You know, it, yeah, they just like run that. the ball straight and they exactly are okay and run a I mean, slant route and they're yeah. Yeah, sure. If you if you have a literal brick wall as an offensive line, and then you have some of the best running backs in America, you can make anything work. But if you don't, I think Josh Heupel's offense it is incredibly simplified for any quarterback. The every everything is simplified for everybody. I mean, it's simplified for the wide receivers and the running backs and the offensive line. Like it's not overly complicated. The thing that you have to get used to is the speed, and if you can get the hang of that, I mean, it's all right there. The scheme is there. Tennessee did not have these size star players last year and went for huge amounts of yards and tons of. And games. they made they made Alabama look silly at times in that game. I mean, oh yeah, the most famous play I remember uh, 
is that situation, but Alabama, one of their DBs is he's looking at the sideline, looking at the middle linebacker for Alabama, kind of trying to get the defensive call. And I think it, it might have been Javante Payton is blowing right by him while he's still kind of looking around. I mean, that's that's what this offense can do. And those are five. I mean, those are the best defensive players in college football at Alabama. They did some to Georgia as well. And that offense worked against that. If it works against that, I mean, it, it, you can't question it, really. Yeah, proof's in the pudding as, as far as that goes. You you had a, a lesser set of players than tons of teams and had a better offense than tons of, of teams. And that's uh, that's the bottom line there. Not not to make excuse for Heupel. I want to see five-star players in this offense. Bring the five-star players. You, already, you got the five-star quarterback. That's the best start you could possibly ask for. But let's get those five-star wide receivers at a minimum four-star wide receivers, you know, and, and plug those guys in where we can have uh, a, obviously a guy right now, preseason All-American, and I'm excited to see how that that pans out this season. But uh, am I devastated by the the loss on this Carnell Tay recruitment? No, I, I think they'll they'll it be helps. just fine. It helps that we kind of had a inkling this past week that those predictions started coming in it, it i think it would have been a little different if we had the same feeling that we did a week ago when we recorded this and then those predictions kind of started rolling in and uh or they, they they if they didn't start rolling in and we watched this commitment and we're kind of shocked when he picks ohio state i think the feeling would be a little bit different today yeah it, we, we've had some time to process yeah uh, we we got that out of the way before the announcement <laughs> I did want to. This could kind of be the the last thing for the show. We're coming up uh, on an hour here. So last week we did uh, talk about this, and our segment about Carnell Tate blew up kind of on on Twitter. Fifteen hundred, or not on Twitter, on YouTube. Um, and uh, on to fifteen hundred views last week, and uh, there uh, apparently a lot of the review. A lot of the views. Sorry, I've, why have I lost the ability to speak all of a sudden? A lot of the views on the YouTube video were Ohio State fans, and they left some comments. Uh, and I wanted to address some of these comments because some were fine points. Like, like this guy said, college football recruiting always comes down to coach-player race relationships, and watch what they do. And well, this guy, uh, well, what he's saying, the grammar is really bad and it's hard to read. Um, but it, job, it State was, fans. Do, yeah, exactly. But he's making the point that I kind of made earlier. It's the long game, you know, coach player relationships. You want to be in with a kid early, make an impression on him, uh, like that. But some of these others, um, like this, Tennessee fans really thought they would land Tate Lowell. We're talking about two teams in two completely different stratospheres in college football. UT praised for a nine and three season. OSU has an 11 2 season, and it's a down year. Okay. So Ohio State fans think that they're real special. First of all, you lost to Michigan last year, and you won just as many championships as Tennessee did. So shut it. Second, uh, this is becoming increasingly and increasingly more irrelevant as a concept. We've already talked about it some in this conversation, but the NIL thing just continues to level that playing field because, yeah, Tennessee right now, 
a, a nine and three season would be excellent. And it's, and I mean, that is the floor that I'm hoping for in this upcoming season. Nine and three would be great. Um, but you look at the resources, Tennessee fan base, the amount of money that Tennessee's fan base is willing to spend and how actionable they are and how powerful they can be. Tennessee's fan base is just as good, if not better than Ohio state's. I don't think that's even debatable. We have a reputation across the nation as a crazy fan base for a reason. And it's not because we don't make any noise. You know, everybody knows about Tennessee. Just look at this baseball season. Everybody the world over was pissed off at Tennessee baseball. And you know why that was the team and the fans. It was both. It was a combination. It's the school as a whole, the brand, everything that comes with Tennessee is just as powerful. And so this, this argument, of <laughs> we have 11 and two seasons on a bad year. Well, you know who got a five-star quarterback this year after having an, a, a seven-one season last year? Tennessee. It's becoming increasingly irrelevant, and and so is that going to become totally irrelevant? No, it's not. But the NIL stuff absolutely helps level that playing field where you can actually sell to a kid, hey, come here, and you're going to get a, a very similar experience. You're going to get that NFL exposure. You're going to get on national television. You're going to get these NIL deals with fat checks. And you're going to get the the whole deal at Tennessee that you could also get at Ohio State. Like it's Ohio State's not special in that way. Um, and and so hey, you can, I I said that earlier. You can go to Ohio State and win eleven games and not win a championship, or you can come to Tennessee and potentially win you know nine games and not win a national championship. You don't win a national championship in either scenario. So uh, that's that is what it is. Uh, but uh, I I didn't know if if you have any thoughts on that particular comment i kind of went long there but no i think the nil stuff combined with the fact that josh heupel got Velas jones to go from undrafted to a, a third round pick he got javante payton picked up by the arizona cardinals who wasn't even really on the, on the radar at all that's the one factor the one thing that Tennessee hasn't been able to compete with is they haven't you know for forever Tennessee's wide receiver you and over the last 10 years it just it just hasn't been that way I mean they've, they've struggled to put wide receivers in the NFL and for them to find consistent success I mean Cordero Patterson is, has had a long career but he hasn't really been a star outside of you know some highlight reel plays Justin Hunter was a bust Josh Malone's career never really took off like we expected Josh Palmer some of these other guys you know, if you can get guys like Velas and Cedric Tillman, this, you know, hopefully he's an early round draft pick next year. Maybe Jalen Hyatt down the road is as well. Players will say, oh, okay, I can get NIL money there. And I'm probably going to get drafted into the NFL in the early rounds. I think that's what can put Tennessee over the top and really win these recruiting battles. Because if you're Carnell Tate, even if Ohio State's not his dream school, it comes down to NIL money. And which I think is probably going to be the same, pretty close across the board, because that you just have to, that's just the world you live in. And you have to make those deals with the recruits. They know their worth and they're going to, they're going to rightfully uh, try to capitalize on that. But the fact that Ohio State has been putting these wide receivers in the NFL consistently for the past 10, 15 years, I mean, that's going to be the tiebreaker every time. So Tennessee has to get over that hump. They have to start putting, more wide receivers in the NFL to win these battles. I think you're in the perfect position to win that reputation back. And I hope that it does come back because, you know, you have a thousand plus yard wide receiver this last year for the first time. And however long, um, and, and 
that's a start. And Velas impressed in uh, in the postseason, and you know, great start. But you're absolutely right. And somebody actually did comment that I, I was looking through as you were saying that. Uh, somebody said, if you were this kid and you have seen the last five years and zero wide receivers drafted in the first and second round by the Vols or half a dozen drafted in the first and second round of the NFL contract and NFL contracts for Buckeyes, run run from any team that states we're building something big, which means we're not built yet versus we are already built uh, for the Buckeyes. It is, it's just something that while I, to, to, to what I said earlier, I, it's clear, like if you play they they will come as far as the NFL goes. The scouts will notice you at Tennessee. It's the SEC. It's the best league in football, in college football. You know, if, if you play to that level, but it's where can you play to that level? I think Heupel makes an excellent case for the future. He just hasn't had the years at Tennessee yet. Mm-hmm. To say I've had this guy drafted and this guy drafted and this guy drafted and this guy drafted, where Ohio State, as this dude is saying annoyingly but somewhat correctly, that you just—I mean, last year they had—I looked—they had two guys over a thousand yards: Jackson, Jackson Smith and Jigba, who you know, I mean, he was a superstar last year, went for almost seventeen hundred yards receiving. Um, like that, it is a school where you know you're going to get a ton of touches, and Tennessee is becoming that with Heupel. But you got to lay that that foundation first and actually get there. And it's really just a a matter of time and goes to my point earlier where I said next time, let's win that battle because you're going to have more more under your belt. You're going to have more to sell to a kid, hopefully, uh, and, and things like that, where it's just it's a matter of time. You can't you can't speed forward time to where you have good things that you've done. You have to just do them and get those on the resume and have that to present and then go from there. So, uh, but just wanted to, to respond to some of those Ohio state fans are, are, I I would say outside of the sec, easily the most annoying fan base that exists. Um, you know, Georgia, Alabama, they're, they're right there. They're probably number one for Tennessee fans, Kentucky basketball. Um, but Ohio State, uh, they they get out there. They're huge. They're they're a nuisance. Um, they, you know, they. I, I'll give them that. As from one crazy fan base to another, they they are. Uh, I, I respect them as an insane fan base. What I think Georgia Georgia fans are probably my number one. Oh, uh, the worst most annoying. Which is, and we've had this conversation before, that is where a lot of my disdain for the Atlanta Braves stems is because I associate them with Georgia Bulldogs so much. And it's the same same fan base to me. I mean, there's way more. I know there's a lot of Tennessee fans that are Braves fans, but there's way more Georgia fans that are Braves. I mean, pretty much every Georgia fan is going to be a Braves fan. But outside of that, the barking, just the... It, that was why I was pulling very hard for Alabama in 2017 when they beat Georgia in the national championship. And I was this past year as well. Alabama wins a championship. It's business as usual. The last thing I wanted to see was Georgia uh, winning the the national championship. So the fact that Georgia and the Atlanta Braves won in the same calendar year, that's, that's, it was, it was pretty rough for me. Nothing can match that barking. It is just, the so, Arkansas pig call thing is pretty close, but they the don't Arkansas, do it in your face, though. 
That's yeah, the, true. They don't. They don't go up to you and go whoo right like yeah. that. Right? Georgia fan sees you in a Tennessee shirt in an airport. They're barking at you. Grown grown adults will bark at you. It's unbelievable. It's, Worse, yeah. just what a terrible thing. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Ter- terrible people that root for a terrible school. Uh, at least Tennessee is better than them at basically every other sport other than football. That's always nice. We yeah. we can, like, hey, they can talk in football. Fair enough, but we beat you at literally everything else. So that's fine. Um, I'll take I'll take that. It, at least we have that much. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, I think that's the show. We're over an hour. I I didn't know. I thought we might actually go short uh, this week, but that's always a dumb assumption. Why? <laughs> I got to stop thinking that. Yeah. Um, we always have plenty to talk about Zach, but any, anything that we might not have covered that you wanted to hit before uh, we let the good folks at home go. No, I think that that, that's pretty much it. I'm going to get back to uh, some of the Kyrie Irving drama going on in the sports world today, which that's pretty much constant with that guy. So other than that, it's been been pretty, pretty quiet on the, on the sports front this time of year. Yeah. Not, not a whole lot going on. The Warriors freaking put me to sleep. They won the title. Ugh, the I I will say this: if you want to see sports, really exciting sports played at a really high level, this is what I have been watching. Uh, the Stanley Cup Final is going on mm. right now, and it makes me sick. While I also have fun watching this team because they're just unbelievably exciting. But man, the, the Colorado Avalanche are an absolute machine. One of the best offenses I've ever seen in hockey. It's unbelievable. They won eight to zero against the Lightning the other night in the Stanley Cup final. Won eight to zero. I mean, this the the ultimate match in hockey, and they won eight to zero. It's crazy. Um, so maybe go watch some hockey since we're all we're all in too much pain to watch college baseball. Basketball's over with. Hockey's on. You know, and maybe it's something to do. Or just go watch. Been watching a lot of Kitchen Nightmares. Big Gordon Ramsay guy. <laughs> That's also on, you know. Yeah, it's that time of year. It's the ne- it's Netflix season yeah, right it's, now. It's 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 Kitchen Nightmares yep. season, baby. Shout out to my boy Gordon, uh, <laughs> Charlie Burris. That's Zach Reagan. Thanks to everybody for watching, listening. You're too good to us, uh, especially during this off season when not a whole lot's going on. It seriously means a lot. Uh, at Charlie underscore Burris, at Zach TNT, at A to Z. Sports, Facebook.com slash A to Z Sports National and A to Z Sports.com for everything that we write and blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. You made it this far. You you know where to find our stuff. I mean, come on. If you're listening at this point. So thanks again for listening and we'll talk to y'all next week. See you guys later. If it's one that you need.